Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. I'd like to begin by reading uh, six verses from Proverbs chapter 9, which is the text that we studied last week, that really sets the, kind of sets the context for what we're going to talk about this week, which is feasting on Proverbs. And this is uh, in chapter 9, wisdom invites people to come and experience the book of Proverbs like a feast. We read this in Proverbs 9, verses 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. This is God's word. A couple weeks ago, Brenda and I were invited to some friend's house for a meal, and we knew it was going to be fantastic, but when we showed up, we found it was actually a feast. Guess what we had for appetizers? Crawfish flown in from Louisiana, right? And so I got to demonstrate this is how you eat crustaceans. And then the main, then the main course was fish tacos, or it was uh, seafood tacos. So you had shrimp and tuna, not from a can, but like real chunks of tuna, and uh, tilapia, and pico de gallo, and all this stuff. And then the dessert was the most decadent. It was a three-layer thing. The top layer was blueberry pie. The next layer was cheesecake. And the bottom layer was red velvet cake. And it was all glued together with this rich, thick icing, okay? And so... As you would with any feast, so Brenda and I, ahead of time, we look forward to it, we anticipate it. During the feast, we slowed down, we enjoyed every bite, we savored it, and then afterwards, what did we do? We thought about it, and we talked about it. We actually had leftovers, so we enjoyed more of it later on. So why am I droning on and on about that feast? Because Proverbs 9, as we saw... Uh, woman wisdom invited the reader to come to the book of Proverbs as if it were a feast. Why? Because it is a feast. And so just like Brenda and I enjoyed the feast I described, I'm going to encourage us to do a similar thing when we come to Proverbs. Before you come to Proverbs, anticipate it. Come with expectation about what you will find there. Come in the fear of the Lord. And when you enjoy Proverbs, savor it. Slow down, notice little things and significant things about it, savor it, take it in, and then afterward, think about it, talk about it. Hopefully you have lots of leftovers, things that can nourish you throughout your week. And so, of course, all of Scripture is a feast, but today I want us to consider how Proverbs is a distinct type of feast. Feast In some unique ways, we have to slow down and think carefully about the Proverbs. And so I hope to give you some pointers toward that direction here this morning. And so we're in the midst of sermon series on wisdom. And one of the things we want to do in this series is kind of equip you for coming to the proverb, to the uh, wisdom literature and be able to and be confident in reading it, understanding it, and applying it to your life. 
And so we hope that you come to Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes, understanding the basic contours of these books, kind of the content, the plot of these books, and some basic principles on how to uh, interpret them correctly. And so this is the fourth and the final sermon on the book of Proverbs. Next week, we're going to take a short break. Uh, Luther Eatman from Bridge of Hope Church in uh, Kansas City, Kansas, he's going to be with us. That's a church we partner with for for a number of years. Two weeks from today, uh, we will look at the book of Job. Three weeks from today, we'll consider the book of Ecclesiastes. But today we talk about feasting on Proverbs. And this sermon is a little bit more like a seminar than a sermon. I'm going to give you three perspectives, two things to notice, two things to appreciate about Proverbs. We have a, an outline on the back of your bulletin, and it'll probably be more helpful today than normal. It's got a lot of content, and as always, this manuscript will be posted on our website tomorrow morning. First of all, three perspectives as you read Proverbs. The first one won't surprise you if you've been in, uh, in attendance the last three weeks. The first perspective is this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so this reality that you cannot be wise unless you fear the Lord, that has to inform the way we come to Proverbs and the way we approach it. And as we've been talking about, the fear of the Lord basically means if you fear God, you relate to him as he actually is. You put aside all the stereotypes about God, what other people say about God is okay, but you relate to God as he actually is. And so two of the things we've emphasized that God is infinitely perfect in all his attributes and God is radically for us. So when we come to the book of Proverbs, that means that we come knowing that God, what you have put in the book of Proverbs, it comes from your wisdom, you are infinitely wise, and I have to have what you're telling me here. And so we come teachable, we come humble, we come receptive to what Proverbs says. And understanding that God is radically for us, and we know that because he proved it at the cross. If someone would give their one and only son to die for you, that one is radically for you. And so you come to Proverbs and you're convinced that God wants to give you wisdom. He's not reluctant. He's not stingy. God loves to give wisdom to those who ask, to those who seek it wholeheartedly. And so I would encourage you, anytime you go to scripture to pray ahead of time. But when you come to Proverbs, pray in light of the fear of the Lord. And so in your own words, express to God, God, I acknowledge that you are all wise and I'm not. So I am showing up as your student. Would you by your Holy Spirit teach me, teach me the wisdom I desperately need. And God, give me a heart that longs to obey Give me a heart to live out, be a doer of the word, the things that I find here in Proverbs. And so you start, first perspective is you come to the book of Proverbs relating to God as he, he actually is. And that means you fear the Lord as you come to Proverbs. The second perspective is this. Some Proverbs are circumstantial. That means they're not universally true. And so this is a a caution against taking any one proverb and saying, okay, good, I've got a rule, I'm going to apply it in every single situation. Uh, Proverbs is much more nuanced than that. 
And actually, we are in our everyday life, and you know, there are, there are everyday proverbs in our culture, for example, and we don't apply them in every single situation, the same proverbs. For example, here's one that you, you've heard before, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And so the idea there is if somebody gives you something free, don't examine it too carefully. It's free. Just take it, right? But here's another proverb. Beware of Greeks bearing gifts. You ever heard that? So that comes from Greek mythology, right? So the Greeks were coming to the city of Troy. They were, they were in warfare, and they brought in this gigantic wooden horse, and they left it outside the city walls, and they sailed away, supposedly. And then the, uh, the Trojans, they took the horse, they brought it inside the city walls, and they didn't know it was full of soldiers. And so the idea here is, if an enemy gives you a gift, you should examine it very carefully, right? And so different proverbs apply in different circumstances. And that's the way we, what we find in, in the book of Proverbs. Uh, for example, one of the best examples, and this may have baffled you when you've read it before, it always has me, but Proverbs 20, 26, verses 4 and 5, side by side, they seemingly contradict each other. This is what we read. 26.4, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Are we supposed to answer a fool according to his folly or not? Well, it depends on the fool. My best understanding, and there's a couple different ways of understanding it, but my best understanding is you need to size up the fool that's standing in front of you, and you need to decide, is this fool receptive at all to what I have to say? And if he's not, if you think the conversation is going to devolve to the, to the point where you are just like that fool, you're that belligerent, you're that vindictive, you're that angry, that un, unreasoning, don't even go there. But... If there's a chance that you can convince this, this fool to listen to you and there's a chance that they will be wise in the eyes of God and no longer merely wise in their own eyes, then answer the fool according to his folly. And so it depends. Proverbs, many proverbs are circumstantial. Now, of course, not all are circumstantial. There are many Proverbs are, are universally true. For example, Proverbs 18.10 tells us, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. It is always good in every cir cir circumstance to run to God for safety. The third perspective, and this is similar to the second, but it's a, a bit different, no single proverb tells you everything you need to know about a topic. And so this is a caution against taking any one proverb and saying, see, now I understand. I can explain everybody's behavior by this one, this one proverb. Uh, rather, instead of that, you need to take into account the whole book of Proverbs, everything Proverbs says on that topic, and really everything wisdom literature says on that topic. Ultimately, everything scripture says on that topic before you can say, I think I understand what God thinks about this. And so Proverbs itself is actually rather nuanced on any specific topic. And Proverbs understands that we live in a fallen world. This world is not chaotic in the sense that there's no order. There is order in the world. And yet this world does not operate as it should operate 
much of the time. We'll talk about that a lot in two weeks when we look at the book of, of Job. And so here's an example. <clears throat> in, um, think about what Proverbs says about poverty and wealth. In Proverbs 10.4, we read this. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And so generally speaking, in cultures all over the world, that's true. Uh, if you are diligent, if you work hard, if you're responsible, you tend to earn more money. If you're lazy, uh, it tends toward poverty. You find that all over the place. But if this is the only verse that you had, you might conclude that all poor people are lazy and that all rich people are diligent. And so however poor or wealthy you are, that reflects your virtue. But that is not what Proverbs says. You've got other Proverbs that tell us other things we need to, to consider. Proverbs 13, 23, for example, the fallow ground of the poor would yield much fruit, much food, but it is swept away through injustice. And so the scenario there is you have poor and there's fallow ground right there. And, and if they could cultivate it and work it, they would produce much food, all the food that they needed. But because of injustice, they're not given that opportunity. So when you think about wealth and poverty, you don't only think about are you diligent or lazy, you also have to think about the issue of injustice, oppression, all those types of, of issues. One more proverb we'll consider on this topic. <clears throat> There's the better than proverbs. Many proverbs say this situation is better than this one. And sometimes we read in proverbs, it is better to be poor. It's better not to be like the wealthy. And so we read this in Proverbs 19.1. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity. And so this person is not poor because he lacks integrity. That's not the issue. It's not because he's lazy or dishonest or any of those things. But better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. And so that poor person has a better life than the one who is crooked in speech. And the implication is that this fool is a rich person. And so when we think about wealth and poverty, you can't just look at any one proverb and say, this is the sum total of everything I need to know about this topic. So those are three perspectives. <clears throat> now I want to talk about two, two things to notice as you read the book of Proverbs. Are you with me? Good? Okay. Here we go. First thing is, notice the point of the parallelism in each verse. And parallelism is a, a literary device where two lines or two or more lines are parallel to each other. And so these, they balance each other in some way. And when you read an individual Proverbs, the proverb, the first thing to do is ask the question, how do these two lines relate to each other? If you don't understand that, you'll, you'll probably miss the point of what is being said here. And so take three examples. The first one is Proverbs 3.11. What's the relation between the first and the second line? It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. And so those two lines are basically synonymous, right? They're saying the same thing in two different ways. 
And so don't be, get worn out. Don't, don't resist. Don't despise it. When God brings something hard into your life to correct you, okay? Consider Proverbs 10.23. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. What's the relationship there? That's a contrast, right? And so fools, they, they think it's hilarious about the, the misbehavior they do, and they're doing wrong. They make jokes about it, they write songs about it, they brag about it. But surprisingly, the second line doesn't say, and a man of understanding is deadly serious about wisdom. No, it says, it says that wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. And that's worth thinking about, how wisdom is pleasurable. Just like misbehavior is a joke to fools, wisdom is pleasing to a wise person. One more example. <clears throat> Proverbs 10:26. What's the relation between the first and the second lines? Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who, who send him. So the first line gives a couple of images and then the second line likens those images to a real life situation. And so vinegar on the teeth and smoke in your eyes, it's painful, it's annoying, it's agitating. And so is the sluggard to those who send him. So if you send out a person on a mission to deliver a message or to accomplish some task, if you send a sluggard, it's gonna be annoying, it's gonna be painful like smoke in your eyes. They might just lay down and take a nap instead of doing what they're, they're supposed to do. And so noticing the point of the parallelism in each verse will help you understand its meaning. Another thing to notice, <clears throat> notice whether the proverb is descriptive or prescriptive. If it's descriptive, it means it just describes the way things are. It's not saying it's good or bad, but it's this is the way things are. If it's prescriptive, it's, it's telling, it's writing a prescription, it's prescribing how things should be. And so it's important to notice that. So Proverbs 20:14 is this descriptive or prescriptive? This is a great proverb. This is a great proverb. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away, then he boasts. Okay, this is like the guy that goes to the garage sale, right? And he sees the lawnmower there, and he wants that lawnmower, but he doesn't want to pay the price. And so he says, you know, you're asking $100 for that, but my brother had that same, he had that same brand of lawnmower. It was just totally unreliable. Uh, you've got $100 on it. I'll give you 50 and you buy that lawnmower for $50, and then you go brag to your friends about, I got this great deal on this lawnmower. I just killed it, right? And so is that descriptive or prescriptive? Well, it's descriptive. That's the way some people barter. It's not saying you should barter that way, but if you're wise, you need to know that that's the way a lot of people do it. Okay, here's one <clears throat> that is prescriptive. Proverbs 4.23. <clears throat> Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, <clears throat> from it flow the springs of life. 
And so it clearly tells us, this is what you should do. You should pay very close attention to your inner self, to your heart, the command and control center of your life, because everything you do will flow from it. And so that's prescriptive. And so noticing those, whether it's descriptive or prescriptive, is important. So three perspective, two things to notice, and finally, two things to appreciate. And I put it this way because these are two things that may, you may tend to find annoying, okay? But I'm going to encourage you to find the, to appreciate these things. Um, there are two things that actually <clears throat> the book of Proverbs intentionally does to accomplish its purpose. And remember, Proverbs has this lofty objective. It wants to make the simple wise and the wise wiser. Okay. The first is this, appreciate the random nature of Proverbs. Have you ever read Proverbs and you're like, man, whoever put this together did not organize it very well. It's like me and my Western self, I would have put all the, all the verses on laziness first and then all the verses on diligence. And then this is how you should speak. And then this is how you should come to friendships and on and on. And you say, why, why is it so random? I counted 17 different topics in Proverbs chapter 10. And so if you ever wonder, why is Proverbs so random? Well, I agree with those that say Proverbs is so random because life is so random. Any single day, you might need five or six or eight or ten of the issues that are raised in Proverbs 10. And so there's nothing wrong with, you know, finding all the Proverbs about one topic and studying them together. But it's also good sometimes, let's say primarily, to submit to what's there and say, maybe this chapter is going to surface something that I'm not thinking about, but I need to think about today or at this season of my life. And so, for example, uh, when you get up tomorrow morning, maybe you're not thinking about integrity. You're not thinking about, man, I should live a life of integrity. But you read Proverbs 10, and as as you're reading along, you come to Proverbs 10, 9, And this stops you in your tracks. It says this, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. And so what's the first thing you do? Parallelism. What's happening here? So it's clearly a contrast, right? It's a contrast between two ways of living our lives and the the, uh, consequences of that. And so you notice the person walking in integrity walks securely, nothing to fear. He's not looking over his shoulder, afraid of being caught, doing something wrong. This person walks securely. But the one who makes his way crooked, the straight path is a path of righteousness. The The crooked path is unrighteousness. That person will be found out. That person lives with a sense of dread. And so you come to this proverb and you savor it and you begin thinking about your life. You begin thinking, am I walking in integrity in every area of my life? Maybe there's a reason I have this sense of dread in in some ways. And so because you fear the Lord, you want your life to honor him. And so you pray, God, I want to walk in integrity today. I want to walk securely. And so that's on your heart. You didn't wake up You didn't wake up that morning thinking about integrity, but scripture has surfaced it, and now it's on your heart. And later in the day, 
when you face a temptation and nobody's looking and, and you're the only one, and God, you're the only one that's going to know about it, this verse comes back to mind. And this verse gives you strength to stay on the, the straight path and not turn on to the crooked way. And so my encouragement to you is to appreciate the random nature of Proverbs. God will sometimes surface an issue that was not on your, on your heart. Having said that, <clears throat> I should mention that some chapters in Proverbs aren't very random. In some chapters, topics are grouped together. Chapter 26 is a great example. The first 12 verses talk about what is true of fools. The next four verses <clears throat> talk about what is true of sluggards. That's a great word. Use that in a sentence today. Fools, sluggards, and then you've got 12 verses that talk about sins of the tongue. Things like quarreling, whispering, deception, and lying. Okay? But appreciate the, the random nature of much of Proverbs. And the second thing to appreciate is appreciate the distinctives of Hebrew poetry. And again, I say maybe I'm... This, I'm just speaking for myself. I, I'm annoyed by a lot of poetry, okay? I even bought a book one time, How to Read Poetry. And I tried over and over again to force myself to read that book, and I could not do it, okay? I just say, why don't you just say what you're trying to say? Just put it out there, and I'll understand it. And uh, I used to be that way with Scripture, which really bothered me. But there's vast, vast portions of the Old Testament, especially, that are poetic. Uh, all of Proverbs, Psalms, uh, most of Job, most of Isaiah, Jeremiah, these prophets just, God loves poetry, obviously. So I feel like I should appreciate it if God obviously loves it, right? And so we've already talked about parallelism. That's a distinctive feature of Hebrew poetry. But I have in mind also, appreciate how Hebrew poetry engages our imaginations in striking ways. If you let it, you will realize that's surprising. Why does it say that? I wouldn't have put those two lines together. And it has all these images that are interesting and they're memorable. And that's significant because Proverbs wants to actually make us wise in everyday life. And so we have to remember it. And so appreciate that it's memorable. For example, this might be my, well, it is. This is my new favorite proverb. It's Proverbs 26, 17, and it says this. <clears throat> Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. About three weeks ago, I drove home, I got out of my car, and there were these two dogs, passing dogs, okay? They were just walking down my, in my neighbor's, my neighbor's yard, and they weren't cute dogs. I had no, like, inclination to pet them or befriend them. They were kind of big, mangy-looking, dangerous-looking dogs. And so there's no way I'm going to, like, grab them by the ears. And Proverbs is telling me, whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, it's like somebody who grabs a passing dog by the ears, okay? Don't do it. You might get your hand chewed off, okay? Think twice before you get involved in somebody else's quarrel. So you're going to remember that, right? Next time you see a passing dog, you're going to remember this Proverbs, right? Or the next time a friend tells you, hey, let me tell you about this, this problem I'm having with so-and-so. And they tell you about a quarrel that's not your own. 
you're going to remember this proverb. Or you're going to think, I, I really need to be careful. That's their quarrel. It's not my quarrel. Now, there may be times where you're called to mediate a quarrel between two people. But then you're being a peacemaker. But if you meddle, then you're being a troublemaker, okay? So you don't want to invite that trouble into your life. And so appreciate the Proverbs. There's so many things that are interesting and fascinating. They're memorable by design. So it could have said, Proverbs 26, 17 could have said, mind your own business. <laughs> but it says, whoever meddles <laughs> in a quarrel, not their own. Okay? So appreciate it, right? Well, finally, let me just encourage you to come up with a simple plan for feasting on Proverbs. Okay? Nothing complex. If you can't remember it, it's too complicated. Um, many people have found it their practice to read a chapter of Proverbs a day. This is not authorized. It's not stated in the Bible. You should do this. But this is what many people have done. I've done it in different seasons in, in my life and uh, found it to be prof profitable. So you would read the entire book of Proverbs in about a month. And so you'd be conversant with everything you find there. A couple things I'd encourage you, if you do that, is uh, if you read a whole chapter, look for one or two specific Proverbs that you can savor, that you can think about, that you can, can ponder the implications for your life. So you don't just get a broad, wide brush stroke, but you need some of the details in that Proverbs. In that proverb. And number two, uh, don't make reading a chapter of Proverbs a day your objective. Okay, the objective is to become wise by savoring the Proverbs like it's a feast. My current practice involves, I buy these little scripture journals, and so you got the text on the, uh, on the left side. You got the text on the left side, and the right side is blank, and you can write notes and observations. You can put your own little uh, references, other scriptures that remind you of. I find this is a way to, to kind of preserve insights, and I go back to it, and you see connections in the front and the back of the book of Proverbs. And uh, I find I don't make it, I just put a bookmark in there, and I start reading, and when I find something that fascinates me, that's where I camp out. So I might read three verses one day. I might read a chapter the next day. And so I find that to be profitable. Another idea, if you live with your family, you live with a family, if you have roommates, part of your plan might be reading and talking about Proverbs. They're just meant to be discussed in households. And so you might do that five days a week, one day a week, three days a week. There's no rules about this. Come up with something that, is, is, uh, that works for you. But remember, Proverbs is, the, the Lady Wisdom encourages to come to Proverbs as if it were a feast. Anticipate it. Savor it. Think about it. Talk about it. I think you'll find it actually is a feast. Father, we ask that you would give us uh, the desire to come to you and learn the wisdom that you have in the book of Proverbs. God, we pray that this week as we go through our days, wisdom would fill our minds. God, make us uh, teachable. We pray, God, that we might walk in the fear of the Lord. Make us teachable and humble. God, let us believe that you're for us and that you, you really want to teach us and give us things that we desperately need. 
And so, God, in every area of our lives, we want to honor you. We want to represent you well in this world. And so we pray that Proverbs would be one of the key pieces of that. And so we we ask this in faith in Jesus' name. Amen.